Welcome to the Word Encounter episode 211, where we are in the book of John. Uh, We left off in chapter 7 yesterday, so let's pick it up in chapter 8. And it says, An adulteress forgiven. It says, At dawn, uh, he being Jesus, went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach him. This was his custom when he was amongst the people. In verse 3, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center of the temple. And so they bring a woman in, stand her in the center, and they said, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. <laughs> I wonder, when I read that, I wonder how did that happen? I mean, where they, they break into her house and caught her in a state of undress? I mean, what? I, I don't know. Anyway, in the law of Moses, uh, uh, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Uh, so what do you say? They asked us to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. They were constantly trying to trap Jesus, but he was too, he was too sharp to allow that to happen. It says, Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. There's been much, uh, much uh, speculation over the years. What exactly was Jesus writing? You know, and it says in verse 7, when they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first uh, to throw a stone at her. Then he stood down, then he stooped down, and he continued writing on the ground. Again, what was he writing? Uh, When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. So the older men started to leave first. I don't know if this is just my speculation, you know, that they feel the weight of their sin the most first. And so, therefore, because they were older, they had a longer period of time in order to sin. So they said, we got to get out of here. And then everybody started leaving. I don't know. It says, only he was left, he being Jesus, with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. See, so Jesus was compassionate. He was full of mercy. He says, they don't condemn you. I don't condemn you, so go on your way. And oh, by the way, stop your wrongdoing. See, (laughs) and so he was, by saying that, he was letting her know that what she was doing wasn't cool. You know, even though he wasn't going to condemn her, he also wasn't going to let her get away without knowing that what you're doing is unrighteous. The light of the world in verse 12 Jesus spoke to them again. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. In verse 14, Jesus says, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Well, he does judge, but he's making a point. He says, I judge no one. And if I do judge, my judgment is true because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. So Jesus is saying, look, there is more than one witness when I judge, me and my Father. In verse 17, he says, even in your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. So there are two. It's not just me. It's just that you don't see the other one. You don't, 
you, you acknowledge the other one with words, but you don't know him. In verse 19, it says, then they asked him, where is your father? You know, neither me nor my father, Jesus answered. <laughs> and so they're looking for an earthly father because they're thinking, okay, if this other dude is going to testify for him, we want to meet him. Where is he? And he says, you don't know me or my father. If you knew me, you will also know my father. If you knew God, if you knew my father, then you would know me. See, you can't know my father without knowing me. This is what Jesus has been trying to get across to them, but they don't want to have anything to do with it. It says, Jesus predicts his departure in verse 21. Then he said to them again, I'm going away. You will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. He told them, you are from below. I am from above. <laughs> you are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I told you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Jesus, he's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people. And he's trying to tell them the only way onto the Father, the only way to heaven is through me. That's it. If you don't acknowledge that, you will die in your sins. You know, not you might, probably. No, you will die in your sins. For if you don't believe that I am he, if you don't believe that I am who I say I am, if you don't believe that I am the Son of God and that uh, the Father God is my Father, you will die in your sins, period. Verse 25, who are you, they question. Exactly what I've been telling you from the very beginning, Jesus told them. So Jesus is getting a little bit exasperated, I think, because he's, he's, he's like, tell me, I've been telling you who I am, but you're not listening. See, you're just not listening. In verse 28, so Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own. But just as the father taught me, I say these things. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me. Uh, he has not left me alone because I always do what pleases him. And if you knew what pleased him, then you would know that what I'm doing pleases him. But since you don't know him, you don't know what pleases him. Therefore, you don't recognize when I do these things that it is pleasing of the father. Truth and freedom. In verse 31, then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. A lot of things in the Bible people take out of context because they don't acknowledge the condition. They just read the blessing. They just read the reward. They don't read the condition. It says here, if Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you really are my disciples. See? And it says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Knowing the truth and being set free is conditional based on if you continue in his word. You just can't so, say the truth will set you free. A lot of people just say the truth will set you free. The truth will set me free. But that doesn't acknowledge the condition. If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Then the truth will set you free.
verse 33. They say, we are the descendants of Abraham. They answered him, and we, um, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? So they're not even acknowledging that they're in bondage. They're not acknowledging that they're in, uh, in slavery. You see, And so they, they're this essentially saying, we're already free, so how can we be set free again? What are you talking about? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. He's saying, look, you don't see your bondage. You don't see that you're in prison. You don't see that you're a slave, but you're enslaved to sin. Verse 35, a slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Jesus is telling them, look, unless you get free, if you continue on in this slavery, you will not be in the household. A son remains forever in the household. In verse 36, it says, so if the son sets you free, you really will be free. So if I set you free, if I set you free from your sin, you really will be free and you will remain in the house forever. I know you have the I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. See, Jesus is saying, if my word has no place among you and I only do and speak what pleases the father, then the father has no place among you. You haven't created any space for the father to be among you. Verse 38, I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. So then you do what you have heard from your Father. See, I speak what I have seen from the presence of the Father. So then you do what you have heard from the presence of your Father. He's going to tell them who their Father is in a second. (laughs) And they say, our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. See, So again, he's, telling, he's, he's not telling them that Abraham is their father. He's saying, you're doing what your father does. He hasn't revealed to them yet who their father is. And then they say, this is interesting, we weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. So see, we, they're essentially saying we're legitimate. We're not illegitimate. We're legitimate. You know, we have one father, God. Now, I read something else into this. I haven't seen this in any commentary, so I don't know. I could be off on the farm somewhere. We weren't born of sexual immorality. Were they accusing Jesus because Mary got supernaturally pregnant? Were they accusing Jesus of being illegitimate? Were they essentially saying, look, we're not like you. We weren't born of sexual immorality, see, because there was no identified father for Jesus. I mean, uh, Joseph didn't impregnate her. And so I don't know how well known this was. I don't know if Joseph just you know put up uh, put up the act and uh, pretended like uh, he was the father. I don't know, but it seems to me like they may be accusing G- uh, Jesus on the DL of being illegitimate. Jesus said to them, "If God were your father, you would love me, 
because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are, you are of your father, the devil. So now he's revealing to them who their father is. You are of the father. You are of your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. What does the devil want? Jesus says he's a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar. And not only that, he's the father of lies. So he is the he is the epitome of a liar. Jesus is the word. The devil is the lie. You know. Verse 45, yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you are not from God. You are of the devil. That's what Jesus is telling them. Jesus and Abraham, in verse 48, the Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. And so, you know, since they dishonor Jesus, they're dishonoring the father. In verse 50, I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and, judge, and judges. Uh, truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets who died? Who do you claim to be? Well, the answer to their question is, yes, he is greater than Abraham and the prophets. And then 50, um, verse 54, Jesus says, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. My father about whom you say he is our God. He is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see me. Um, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet. <laughs> You've seen Abraham? Abraham's been dead for hundreds of years. Right? And he said, you're not even 50. You see me, Abraham? Jesus' response is infamous and classic. Verse 58, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Now remember, God said, you know, in the Old Testament, Moses' time, I am who I am. You know, I am. There's, there's nothing that can describe me except I am. And so Jesus is using the same language. Truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple because they knew what he was saying. He was essentially equating himself to God, and so it threw them into a frenzy. And, and <laughs> we can't have this. Let's go into chapter 9. It says, the sixth sign 
uh, healing a man born blind. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So we see here there's this belief that if you were blessed, like with resources, you know, finances, you know, big farm, lots of animals, blah, 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 then you were righteous. That was a manifestation of righteousness. You had all this stuff. If, on the other hand, you had illness, sickness, disease, or whatever, then that means that you were a sinner and you were cursed. And so that's the way, I mean, I mean, from a certain perspective, that makes sense, right? That's, that's how they were thinking. And so it says his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man is blind, and so somebody must have sinned. This man or his parents. Verse 3, neither this man or his parents sinned. So now Jesus is correcting them. Just because you see this, that doesn't mean they did something wrong. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me. Uh, yeah, we must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So what is Jesus saying? He says, this came about. This, this, this man is blind. This bad situation, this bad circumstance exists so that God can display who he is. See, all the bad things don't come from, an in, in, uh, from the enemy. We think that everything b- bad that happens to us comes from the enemy, but that's not necessarily true. And then it says, we must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Jesus is saying, while I'm here, while, there, while the light is here, while the light is here, we must do the works of him who sent me because darkness is coming. See, he says, night is coming when no one can work, and there will be no workings going on when that night comes. And so we got to make haste while the light is here. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the, he spit on the ground, made some mud from saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of um, psyllium, uh, which means scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. So we see here that Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, and put it on his eyes so he could see. Jesus healed. Sometimes he spoke healing into existence. Sometimes he laid on hands. Sometimes he made mud and put it on. He was, Jesus was using different processes in order to essentially comp- accomplish the same thing. Why? I think so that we don't get married to processes. See, because you can get married to a process and forget the author of the process. And so the issue isn't the process or the mechanism by which these things happen. The issue is that you had a man strong in belief, you know, absolute belief. It wasn't, he wasn't strong in belief. He was absolute in his belief. And so the, the, the process didn't matter because the power was in the belief. In verse 8, he says, His neighbors and those who had, sent him, who had seen him before as a beggar, isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said, he's the one. Others said, no, but he looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one. And so I think, you know, so, some people who were saying, no, it's not he, they didn't want to be- uh, want to believe that he could be healed. They didn't want to believe that this Jesus dude, you know, healed this guy. So they were denying that he was, that he was the one who was blind in the first place. In verse 10, so they asked him, then how are your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me, uh, uh, go to the pool and wash. So when I went, I washed, I received my sight. 
They asked him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. They healed man's testimony. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. Uh-oh, we know what's coming now, right? Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. Forget the fact that he made a blind man see. He says he's not from God because he wasn't a Sabbath keeper. But the others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was division amongst them. There was division amongst the Pharisees. See, not all the Pharisees didn't believe. See, in most cases, you know, there's there's like the 80-20 rule that, 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 that you might hear about sometimes, where uh, 20% of the people are sold out on something, 80% are kind of on the fence, and they just follow the direction of the 20, you know. And so most people uh, don't make commitments. They just follow what somebody else does. And so we have a situation here where the Pharisees, where the Pharisees you have some believe and some didn't believe, but I believe that when they decided to crucify Jesus and go for it with, with the plan, all those who were on the fence just went in the direction of, the, of, of those who were fanatical about uh, uh, executing Jesus. And so they were just you know wishy-washy. Mm, let's drop down here to verse 24. It says, so a second time they summoned a the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. So they're talking to the blind, the man who was blind, who can now see. And so the Pharisees are trying to, I guess, get him uh, to testify that Jesus is a sinner. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I can see. <laughs> so I don't know all that stuff you're talking about. All I know is I couldn't see and now I can see. So he was just bottom lining it, right? And it says in verse 28, they ridiculed him. Uh, You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciple. And so we see here that human nature on display, right? And so whenever uh, sometimes uh, people say things that you really have no response to, then you just start accusing them. You just start name calling. You know, that's the defense mechanism, just the name call. You know, he says, I don't know if this guy is a sinner or not. All I know is I was blind, but now I can see. And then they said, well, you're his disciple. His disciple. We're Moses' disciple. <laughs> we know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. The blind man, the ex-blind man said, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. And so we see that the ex-blind man is just speaking rationally. He's, he's not an educated man in the law, you know, and so we, we'll see here that the Pharisees don't want to listen to him because he's not learned like us. He's not educated like us, but he's just speaking truth. And then in verse 34, after he speaks this truth, he says, you were born entirely in sin, they replied, <laughs> and you are trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. And so they, this happened so much. And so they came back at him. They started name-calling him. They started to degrade him, and then they threw him out because they didn't want to give him the opportunity to respond. Spiritual blindness. 
Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, and when he found out, he asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. So Jesus is asking the man, Do you believe in the Son of God? He says, well, well, who is he? Jesus says, you are speaking to him. And what does he say? I believe, Lord. And he worshiped him. So we see that his response, once he was informed on what the deal was, was immediate worship. In verse 39, Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who um, do see will become blind. Jesus is saying, I came into this world in order that those who do not see will see, to open the eyes of the blind. That's why I came here, so that they may respond to the call of the kingdom. See, I I came here to do that. And for those that think they can see, I have come so that they will know that they are, in fact, blind. For those who are, who are uh, uh, um, caught up in their sense of righteousness, for those who are conceited in their spirituality, <laughs> spiritual conceit, to those I have come so that they may see that they are in fact blind. Verse 40, some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked, we aren't blind too, are we? <laughs> Jesus was speaking directly to them. And, it, and their, their response is, you're not talking to us, are you? Verse 41, if you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Jesus is saying, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. If you were blind, then I can open your eyes to your sin and then you could be eradicated from it. You could be relieved from it. You can repent from it. See, you can turn from your wicked ways. You can uh, uh, turn from your evilness. See, if you were blind, then I can work with you. But now that you say you aren't blind, but now that you say we see, you know, we see just fine, Jesus is saying your sin remains. See, because you are wise in your own eyes. You think you are righteous in your own righteousness. See, you think you are righteous. You think you are of God. But you're not. See, you think you can see. You won't acknowledge that you're blind. And because you won't acknowledge it, I can't do anything with you. Your sin remains. And with that, we are done for the day. We will pick it up in John chapter 10 tomorrow. And as is always the case, the invitation goes out. The message is near you in your mouth and in your heart. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. It can't get more plain than that. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. Even those who have made that that confession, you know, it's a confession that needs to be repeated 
It repeated and repeated. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Everybody stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And should he happen to not come between now and tomorrow, we'll see you tomorrow in episode 212. Yesterday I said episode 201 to be the, uh, today. I meant episode 211. So we'll hit episode 212 tomorrow. Bye-bye now.